Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Falcoholic Podcast listeners, welcome to another episode of the Falcoholic Live. This is your host, Kevin Knight, reminding you to check out the show live on YouTube on Wednesday nights at 8.10 p.m. Eastern. We also encourage you to check out our Patreon page where you can unlock exclusive perks, including access to a patron Q&A session where we take Falcons questions for about 30 minutes to an hour. That's a lot of fun. You can find that page at patreon.com slash falcoholiclive. Thank you all for listening, and we hope you enjoy today's episode. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to episode 163 of the Falcoholic Live. I'm your host, Kevin Knight, joined by two excellent co-hosts this evening. First of all, we have with us Adnan Ikic. He is at Say Which Way. Adnan, how are you doing tonight? Nervous, um, yeah. you know, in the middle of a Braves World Series game, too. You know, the Hawks are also playing tonight, but, you know, I also care about that. But right now, uh, <laughs> the Braves dominate the Atlanta sports landscape. They do. You know, I understand. I understand it. If you're, if you're a true Braves fan, you know, <clears throat> talking about regular season Falcons games that, you know, I had some, obviously some good, and we'll get to that, uh, but they don't quite have the pop of the World Series. You know, I don't necessarily blame anyone. I'm, I'm sure it'll be a lighter crowd tonight. Thank you for everyone that is tuning in, even if you're going to be, you know, distracted. We understand, we understand, but uh, thank you all, including Adnan, for making time. Um, and then we also have with us tonight Eric Robinson. He is on Twitter at underscore Eric underscore Robinson. Eric, how are we doing tonight? Not too bad, not too bad. I'm also uh, kind of caught up with the World Series as well a little bit. A little intrigued by it. Yeah, uh, but I'm intrigued. I just, some... yeah, I ready to talk some Falcons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially, uh, especially some Kyle Pitts. That guy deserves a little attention right now. Yeah, I think I think Kyle Pitts could probably occupy our attention for at least 60 minutes but we don't have to depend on that because right around 8 45 we're going to have our panthers preview with a good friend of the show brian beverslus he will be here right around 8 45 for our panthers preview so you guys have that to look forward to as always guys like and subscribe if you enjoy the program check out our patreon page and check out the discord as well if you enjoy chatting falcons football with fellow fans and you know us occasionally i won't say that you know we type in there a lot but you know occasionally there is some good discourse uh so if you want to be part of that check it out in the show description um yeah i uh had a chance to rewatch this falcons game it's always nice to rewatch a win instead of a loss it's a lot more fun uh, in my opinion and i mean a winning streak yeah i can't remember the last time that happened i mean it happened in 2028 like for a couple games right Uh, um first time the falcons have won back to back in october or earlier since 2018 wow yeah i mean it it definitely i'm glad we're we're stringing some wins together at a time when 
it's clear that you know the NFC is like wide open in terms of the wild card race. Like there's a speaking my language. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry, I stole your thunder there, Adnan. So I'm just gonna let Adnan go now because I'm sure this is Adnan's. You know, this is his time. No, 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 no. no. Yeah, give us another week. I I will say though, (laughs) I think uh, the Falcons are tied for the last wild card spot, which is not a bad place to be in, considering the fact that at this time last year we were one in seven. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it's oh, no, a no, hell of two lot years better. ago. Two years ago, yeah. one and seven. Last year, we were, I think, two and five, two and six, something like that. I don't know. We were, I thought we were, the... no, we were one and one and six after Detroit because they got off to an old five start, beat Minnesota, and then lost. Yeah, that, then they beat Carolina on Thursday night. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So obviously, it's nice to be playing. I mean, it's like. It's it's a low bar to clear to be playing like relevant, oh, somewhat competitive football bar. in October uh, and probably into November at this point. You know, uh, assuming we win this game, but I mean it, it, that's where we are with this team. Is like the last two years were so bad early that we were pretty much out of it at this point. Um, Eric famously was ready for the draft after week two, uh, so it's it's a nice it's a nice thing to do to be five hundred. I mean, obviously the Falcons haven't played a murderer's row of teams. I mean, they played the Bucks, and, you know, outside of those uh, turnovers and stuff like that, late in the Bucks game, I mean, the Falcons played them close. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the Falcons haven't exactly been lighting the, the NFL on fire or doing anything. But what they have done that they haven't done since, you know, 2016, 2017, is they've started winning some of these games that they would have lost the last two years at, late right. in the game. They've, they've been able to they actually were... close out games. So... They were what zero and eight or zero and seven? What one of those two last it was, year? It in was all like score games. Yeah, I think it ended up being two and eight, that. like overall, which was almost the worst record ever. I think if they were one and eight, we that would have been. I think we did win two. I think I went through and I'm surprised to see that there was actually a second one. one. It depends. One score games? Yeah, one yeah score if it's games. if it's eight points, then it's two wins to eight losses. If it's seven or less points, I believe it's one and eight. Um, because there was one eight point loss, I think. So it depends on if you if you define one score uh, as eight points, you know, which I technically do. But well, the Carolina the Carolina game, the away the away game. Yeah, that's the eight point game. Yeah, I don't know. I was thinking about seven points. Yeah, uh, but either way, either way, we haven't been good in one score games. This yeah. is you know the the message we're trying yeah. to send. And, and meanwhile, they won the last two. Uh, or uh, the Jets. I don't know. Was the Jets technically a one score win? I know they scored yes. that garbage time seven. touchdown. Yeah, yeah. yeah, the Falcons um, only won by seven yeah. against the Jets. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, so that'll go down. Da- oh, this is why some of those stats are a bit deceiving. That'll go down as a one-score win, but I mean, let's be honest, the Jets just scored in garbage time. Um, but the Giants game and now the Dolphins game, that was two game-winning field goals off game-winning drives by the offense off fourth-quarter comebacks. So yeah, yeah, we yeah. last year we had no fourth quarter comebacks or game winning drives. Yeah, it's it's crazy. The, yeah. Oh, the Broncos, the Broncos was a seven point win technically. So there's That's your true. one point. There's your one point win. Yeah, and we did yeah, it. Uh, they only had one. That's right. They only had one win okay. last year of okay. one score. I must, I must have done my math wrong, then, but that's okay. That's not yeah. surprising. 
Lost to the Chargers by three. Lost to the Chiefs by three. Lost they to the Bucks by four. They should have had like four or five. Yeah, lost to the, <laughs> lost to the Saints by five. Uh, lost to the Cowboys. Last year was you know. so weird, though. It was like every like they. It's like they they went through the dictionary of like how is how can you possibly blow games at the we, end? We Let's were yeah, out. we were saying we were saying that we was like yo, this team is finding they're inventing new ways to lose every week. I, I, it would have been yep. it would have been very entertaining if I wasn't Falcons fan to watch that though. <laughs> yes, because it was like a comedy of errors every week. It was like, yeah. how are they gonna blow it this time? And every it, time it, it was different. Like somehow. It, it's so. like it's like watching the Lions this year. Yeah. It's, emba- that's true. it's embarrassing. It was embarrassing last year. Even as a writer. Like, it was embarrassing. It's like this is like they're a laughing stock. Yeah, it it drove Eric to ESPN. <laughs> right out of our hands straight into the corporate world you know way to go yeah but that that's what happens sometimes you know you you just you know abandon your friends for greener pastures and you know i understand it you know i, I won't say that I'm, I'm not hurt no i'm just kidding eric has been awesome and continues to come on the show for weeks so i've got nothing to complain about it's it's just a bit it's just a bit so uh but yeah i mean it, it it's been weird seeing this team actually close out games and like this game was kind of a turning point for me because I was like, all right, I'm fully expecting them to blow this. But also, I think maybe they might not blow it. And then they didn't blow it. And they they put together that great game-winning drive at the no, end. I, and... I definitely thought they were going to blow it. <laughs> I mean, in the group chat, I think we all thought they were going to blow it for sure. Once once Eric Harris failed on that tackle attempt on third down, I said, yeah, this is over. It's a wrap. There's yeah. no way. I mean, I don't blame you. I certainly felt that way as well. But they didn't blow it. This is the second time now that they've, you know, first was the Giants game. Now this game that they methodically executed a field goal drive at the end of the game to win. But, um, we, but we kept saying, like, these were the demons that this new regime is going to have to get rid of. This this is what they're going to have to to distinguish when it comes to this franchise. Losing in those close games in that particular fashion. Like they're going to have to have to overcome that. And they've done it twice this year. And to be quite honest with you, it should have been three times because they should have beat Washington, but that's neither here nor there, but they're, they're starting to learn. Like, like you guys pointed out under Dan Quinn, they would have lost these games. Right. They would have lost to Miami. Yeah. They would have lost to the giants. So they're learning. Yeah, it's true. Like, and I think that was the biggest thing. And, and like, we, we touched on it. It's, it's hard to be like impartial and really like hands off of analysis when you're going through these losses. And, you know, this team has won a handful of games the last couple of years. So like when they were losing these games at the beginning of the season and the team looked totally inept, it was easy. It, it was, you know, maybe perhaps we were being a little harsh, uh, you know, on the team, I mean, I, I don't know that we were, like, super unfair or anything, but my takeaway just was always, this team doesn't look prepared, they're not ready, like, and that's an indictment, uh, but it's... I, I, I was just going to say, I uh, regarding that, I have a personal uh, motto when it comes to the Falcons, that this franchise as a whole deserves no benefit of the doubt, <laughs> like, and I will, until they prove otherwise, I will never give them the benefit of the doubt. Um, I yeah. used to. And then, like, you know, I watched all those blown leads firsthand. And, you know, I, it, and I'm not saying, I'm not saying I'm blaming Arthur Smith or Terry Font. No, that's ridiculous. They just got here. They've done a really good job, actually, so far. I'm yeah. just saying the Falcons franchise in general. Like, this is, and this is, and, and this was the attitude that I had after the Washington game. Like, this is 
everybody knows around the league what the Falcons are are famous for. Like their reputation is built on not just losing games, but losing games in incredible fashion. And it's the most well-deserved reputation in right. sports. It's as Pretty deserved much. as like the 80s Bad Boys Pistons yep. reputation yeah. was. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's what no, I, they're I identified as. So winning games is one thing, but these type of wins, no matter the opponent, to be quite honest with you, they stand out a little more. They stick a little more. I gr- granted, yeah, it was the one win Dolphins. Sure. But again, we just pointed out and we saw it last year. They would have lost this game. Yeah. And they didn't. They found a way to win. And again, it, 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 it to me, it counted more as like a win and a half because mm-hmm. of that aspect, because of the fact that, yeah, they blew a lead, but they won the game. Yeah. They found a way to win. So, they, yeah, I mean, it, it seemed like it seemed like under Dan Quinn, especially last year and, you know, 2019 to some extent, it was just when they blow the lead and like you're going to blow leads in the NFL. Even good teams do it from time to time. Like they just like mentally were destroyed. And it's like you knew they weren't going to come back. Like you knew there was no hope. Um, the Dallas game. Yeah. And now with Arthur Smith, like they're, they're still blowing some leads because the defense is obviously not all the way there. And we're definitely going to talk about that, but like they seem confident, like methodically. I mean that, that final drive against, against the dolphins was textbook end of game drive. I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't dial it up. I mean, the only way you could do it better, I guess would be like, Oh, you score a touchdown, you know, as time expires and you get a couple more points and you don't have to worry about the chance of missing the kick. But Uh, I've seen that argument in the past before by Matt Ryan haters that, Oh yeah, he like yeah he got them downfield, but I mean, it was actually Matt Bryant who scored the game winner. It's like, dude, shut the fuck up. <laughs> I mean, like Matt Bryant and and Young Way Koo for that matter, like deserve yeah. credit. But like you don't, it doesn't take anything away from Ryan. Like I think you could argue that kicking the field goal might is like arguably safer than going for a touchdown um, right, because you're much you have much more control over the clock. You don't, you don't risk it, a turnover. You know, so. I was saying it as they lined up for that kneel down uh, for those last <laughs> couple kneel downs. They remember Todd Gurley well. Oh yeah, against the nope. Lions last exactly. Year. I don't know if you guys. I don't know if you guys. I saw. saw. They were trying to let him score. No, 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 no. Yeah. After the timeout, Matt Ryan came out to the huddle. He looked at Cordero, and I, I, I saw him mouth the words. He said, "Go down." He he, damn near screamed it at him. He said, yeah. "Go down!" And they gave <laughs> get the him, first they gave and the go ball. down. They yeah. gave him the ball. The Dolphins gave him the lane. And Cordero mm-hmm. just kind of ran for three yards and just fell. Like yep. he said, go down. Like yeah, he like, understood those, the assignment. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> and like if he wanted to run down to like the five and then fall down, like if they were really going to let him like almost score, like that's fine. But I, I get like it's safe for the way he did it. And like I think, you know, it depends on your kicker. You know, maybe you could argue that going just trying to get a touchdown is safer than risking a missed field goal. But I, I guess I would argue if you have a great kicker like Yangwaku. And if you have a terrible defense like the Falcons do. Uh, right, if, and if you have a terrible defense, obviously. Um, then there's no need. Like, Yangwaku is almost automatic from that sort of range. Yeah, especially um, so, from, like, dead center, like, 30. That's, like, yes. an extra point. Oh, yeah. That's what, that's what Flores was upset about. Not the fact that they got in field goal position, but the fact that they were allowed to have pretty much the middle of the field. Like, their defense, yeah. you know, allowed them to have pretty much the middle of the field to get that kickoff. He was more upset about that than than being in field goal position itself, to be yeah. honest with you. But to go back on your point, Kevin, yeah, 
I, you know, Youngway Koo is going to get the credit for the win here. But, you know, Matt Ryan completed two big passes for 53 Huge. yards to get, yeah. the, to get the team in position. You, you can't kick a field goal unless you get the ball down there. So yep. why, how are you going to avoid giving Matt Ryan any type of credit for this is, is mind-boggling me. I don't understand. But I mean, whatever. it's at least 50-50. Right. No, no, it's not fifty. It's like eighty twenty. Yeah, like you're right. I'm just job. saying, like, if you're if you're yeah. arguing that Koo deserves more credit than Ryan, yeah. you're dumb. So, no, like, I guess if you yeah, want to argue it's equal, no. maybe. Yeah, it's like don't, don't but... get me. We all love Young Way Koo. Like Young Hero. I expect yeah. my I accept I expect my kicker to hit a thirty yard field goal like dead center. Like that's yeah. You're in the NFL for a reason. Exactly. But I didn't I didn't necessarily expect my rookie tight end to catch uh, over the shoulder <laughs> catch hey, against an all pro. From what I've but, seen, he's not a regular rookie tight end. He's not a regular rookie <laughs> tight end. But those are the plays that you need to make late in games. And again, yes. Matt Ryan put the team in position to win it. So he deserves – he definitely deserves some flowers. Oh, yeah. Win. Those were some great throws. And it's like oh, – That it's, second throw to Pitts, yeah. the one to get them into field goal range, that's one of the best throws I've ever seen Matt Ryan make. In I've ever bucket. seen any quarterback make. In the bucket. In the bucket. Yeah. But it's like Pitts has such a – gigantic catch radius that like he can as long as you put it in his zip code like he could probably get it like you don't and and that sort of downfield target it makes the deep ball so much easier because it's like i don't have to fit this in this narrow window like i need i can be a little bit safer with this i can have it float more out of bounds that sort of thing because kyle pitts has the biggest arms that i've ever seen in my life and he will just kind of go get it um and i think now that we're seeing that matt ryan trusts him probably more than any other player on the team at this point, considering what he did when it mattered most in crunch time, you need a couple plays to get in field goal range. He just chucked it up in the air for Pitts, and it was, you know, yeah, he didn't, to Matt Pitts Ryan, who's a great ball, but... Pitts didn't even have to go get it. It just it fell into the, you know, yeah. it, it fell right into the bread basket. Exactly. It was perfect. Yeah. Ideal pass. Even the one before that, mm-hmm. it, you know, he was bracketed by four defenders. And, yeah. and Ryan was able to to fit that one in there. He he threw a dart there. He put a lot of muscle behind that one. But um, but yeah, this again, this is again, and, and we're giving the credit, we're giving a lot of credit to Koo, we're giving some credit to Ryan, we're giving some some to to Pitts, but the coaching staff, Arthur Smith in particular, you know, they deserve it a little bit as well, man, because yeah. that's that's the type of attitude that we've been pushing for a long time when it comes to having these opportunities, having these moments, stay aggressive. Yep. You know, I, I can live with Arthur Smith and that offense wanting to push the ball down the field and make some plays. And if, if they're not able to do it, okay, fine. But getting complacent late, I, I'm not with that. But that's the attitude that Arthur Smith is starting to develop, and I like it. I'm with it. Yeah. Uh, how, how many rookie tight ends go for 163 receiving yards? In their seventh, in their sixth career game. I mean, none, none that I've ever heard of because he's the first one to do it. How many rookie tight ends? <laughs> Bro. How many, how many tight ends? Not even rookie. How many tight ends can line up at X and Z receiver and, and run that, go routes and, and Y and, that, and block <laughs> and complete and completely burn last year's first team All Pro cornerback Xavier uh, All Pro like, corner. They put double bracket coverage on Pitts with Xavier Howard doing it. And the Falcons didn't even hesitate to chuck that ball up. Yeah. Matt was like, like, oh, that's what you're going to give him? Cool. Yeah. I mean, it, I like it's it. like, I don't know. It, 
Like on, this man. is if if you were a big Kyle Pitts supporter, we know George Costanza and yeah, other, I was going to say we're George tonight. Yeah, man. George like, George can crow is, a lot. Um, yeah, but George George, if he's not here, he's probably going to watch the replay of this uh, as the loyal viewer that he is. But yeah, yes. like George, you 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 deserve your victory laps because I remember it was back in December, back in January, mm-hmm. before Kyle Pitts was even talked about in the top five. It was it was all about Kyle Pitts. And I'm and I I'll be the one to sit here and say I was the one that was like, man, no, let's not go that route. Yeah, I Please. mean, I think we were definitely trying to pump let's, the brakes on it at let's, least. Let's, um, let's not do that. But Pitts is Pitts is a gem, man. And to have a playmaker like that, he's already scaring defenses. And he's only twenty one. He's only six games in, and defenses are already sticking all pro corners on him. Yeah, <laughs> like it's six games in. Six games in, they're already like, "Hey, man, first team All Pro corner, go lock him up, please." Yeah. Do it. Yeah. Now. Ima- Somebody imagine, yeah. <laughs> imagine what it'll be like when the Falcons have an actual wide receiver one on the team, an actual <laughs> wide receiver one. And then, to be honest with you, that wasn't. There was a few times ex- where Howard shadowed Pitts. There was one time in particular. It was a couple times actually where I saw Pitts line up in the slot, and he's covered. One on one in man coverage against Xavier Howard, so it wasn't as if like okay he lined up on Howard's side. Like no, the Dolphins were scheming opportun- scheming ways to put their best defender on Kyle Pitts. Yeah, exactly. That tells you everything you need to know, man. That yeah. guy is that guy is doing the damn thing. Yeah, and I think teams that have elite large safety like like derwin james like i think if anyone can match up with kyle pitts well derwin james is like one of the only guys that i can think of um you know another elite athlete with size um but like ramsey yeah i mean but we're talking like the best cornerback in the nfl who's also you know one of the biggest and you know maybe the most athletic freak Uh, safety in the nfl and derwin james that, that, that bodes the question are there any linebackers in the nfl Maybe like that, prime Luke Keekley. But they I they mean, may have they may have there there may be a defender this upcoming Sunday against the Panthers. I think Jeremy Chin Yeah, Chin is, is Chin definitely is, is gonna it? see some time against Kyle Pitts and we'll see. Yeah. I, I we really we all liked Jeremy Chin coming out of college. Mm-hmm. Um and you know, he I, I think he's he's gonna have that opportunity to defend Pitts. So we'll see. If he can, if he can go one on one with yeah, him, the, but yeah, the Falcons was... were in a, a prime position to possibly draft Chin in the second round, but you know <laughs> we traded that pick for Hayden Hurst. Yep. Yeah. You know, can't go back. Can't go back and do the right thing now, unfortunately. But um, yeah, I mean, obviously, like Pitts, Pitts coming on, especially if they can demonstrate that the Falcons basically are, are like they're willing to chuck the ball on any play to Kyle Pitts. Like, if we can get to where the teams are f- afraid of the deep ball and they have to play mostly cover two against the Falcons. I think then is when we'll actually see this running game take off. Cause I don't think this running game is built to sort of run against stacked boxes or run against cover one fronts where you're seeing seven, eight guys in the box. I don't think this running game is ever really going to excel against that. But if you can force teams into cover two against you, you know, I think Patterson at, at that point, it's like, you hit your blocks. Patterson makes one guy miss, and it's like a twelve-yard game. You know, because well, yeah, I don't, and I don't. So. I don't think teams. I don't think teams are really stacking the box now against the Falcons. No, you saw it late by the Dolphins in particular, and that's when Patterson was ripping off those runs to close out the game. Is like they they had to start dedicating safety help. You know, and it was. And, and the thing is that this is, this is the 
foundational building that you make into creating a, a great, consistent offense. Uh, it won't be the Falcons aren't going to really win anything this year, but you can you can see you can see the signs of the that potential. greatness. It's yeah. it's going to start with Kyle Pitts. We already have that. Then you know you're when you're talking about having a, a really good running back, not the Cordero isn't one, but in the future when you have your your running back of the future, your wide receiver one of the future, which I'm still saying the Falcons don't have a wide receiver one on this roster. <laughs> nope. They have, a, they have a solid wide receiver too. Um, but when when all of that comes together and, you know, behind a pretty good offensive line, which the offensive line looked solid against Miami. and they, Fourth in the league grown. in uh, sack rate allowed. Fourth. They've, they've grown and, you know, and even with the offensive line, when you're talking about that potential of Jalen Mayfield getting better, of Matt Hennessy getting much better, you know, you're talking about you're talking about the ingredients, some of which are already there, and now you're mixing it up. Uh, and the guy doing the mixing is an offensive mastermind in, in Arthur Smith. And you know, now you have now you have a recipe for success. Now you have your offense that's that's as good as, you know, possibly the Falcons in 2016, maybe one day. Yeah. Here's, here's what I'm seeing from this offense. And I think this offense is going to evolve in a, in a certain direction because of what Arthur Smith has around him this year. He didn't really have, of course, the scheme last year and in and, and previous years in Tennessee was predicated around Derrick Henry. We get it. It was built around that. Um, but what he didn't have, was a collection of players that are able to be effective in various spots. That's what he didn't have there. And I think that's the direction this scheme is going to end up going, not only this year, but in years to follow. I I think he's going to build a scheme. He's going to put together a scheme where he has three or four players on the field at once that's going to have defenses thinking like, okay, where is this guy going to line up? let alone what route they're going to run, which way they're going to run. Like he's like that, that is, that, that is the direction I think this offense is going. I think he's starting to fall in love with that idea a little bit. Having yeah. Cordero out there, having Kyle Pitts that can line up every, anywhere. I would not be surprised if in the draft, they go after those type of positionless skill players. Right. That they can just put wherever they want to put. And I think that's where he's going to build the offensive round. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And and like that that in itself is really exciting because I think with Dirk Cutter, and I know we had a donation from Solaire who who was saying that about the choking, you know, Dirk Cutter, Solaire with the $1, by the way. Thank you, Solaire. Um, he said Dirk Cutter had a big part in that. His play calling the third and fourth qu- quarter, you know, was a big reason why they blew those leads. The play calling now in the third and fourth quarter has been a lot better Arthur also tends to adjust late in game unlike Dirk that's been nice to see and like I totally agree with that I think the end of game play calling has been better um especially in these last three games as opposed to the first three um but it's a uh, man um I I'm just really excited about the type of players that Arthur Smith might get and going after these got kind of like a guy like Kadarius Tony for instance like you know for Dirk Cutter it's like I wouldn't have wanted Kadarius Tony for Dirk Cutter because I feel like he just would have made him a deep threat or something like that or just made him a screen guy um but like I think if you move Tony around use him a little bit as a running back use him a little bit as a wide receiver use him for some gadgety stuff that is where you unlock his potential and I think 
Arthur Smith is showing that like he can use these unique players like Cordell Patterson, who no one else seemed to ever be able to figure to use. He's able to do that, like, and, and turn these guys into actual weapons to utilize them correctly. Right. And that is maybe the most refreshing thing about all this is like we're actually seeing intelligent usage of offensive personnel. Um, right. And like, I think to me, the big question now is he's got to find a way to make Calvin Ridley a bigger part of this offense, and whether that's Oof. you have to be able to utilize that player that Does talent you have to I, I think if I mean not long term but this year you've got to figure I, out a role for Ridley that's yeah, going to work yeah, better yeah, than what he has now yeah, yeah. yeah for okay. this year I, but I don't but I don't want to go I don't want to go down that road though because it's like it's it seems as if Arthur may have to really adjust a good portion of the offense just to fit Ridley and and find his comfort zone and I'm like that I he shouldn't have to do that as a play caller as a, as you know uh pretty much the architect of the scheme like he shouldn't have to do that he shouldn't have to modify not, too much exactly just so Ridley can feel comfortable like yeah no I mean it's it's more like altering the sort of plays that Ridley is being called upon to do so not necessarily changing the scheme but using Ridley as like a flanker for pits you know letting Ridley run more deep stuff running more of these you know intermediate that like the stuff that's like we don't need Ridley to be running those sorts of short crossers and, and getting annihilated on those balls. Like we don't need him to be that contested catch receiver anymore. Like we have Kyle but Pitts. What he, like, but that's what he was. Those short crossers is what he was stellar at at Alabama. And that's yeah, what Sar- yeah. that's how Sarkeesian used him in his rookie mm-hmm. year. Yeah. And like, like there has were, to be, he has to be able to come down with some of those. There's no doubt, but he has to, like, but he, he was like one of the best deep receivers in the NFL last year. So I think if you have the threat of Pitts on one side, you should be able to, to dial up some deep stuff for Ridley too. Like I, I think, I think you adjust his role, and that's the only thing I need to see now for him. All right, I mean, there's two things. I would like to see the running game be more consistently productive, but I think the switch to Patterson as the primary runner will accomplish some of that. But, like, we need to see a better utilization of Calvin Ridley just, just because that's what you have. Like, we need to at least make it work this year, and, like, maybe that's not an ideal role going forward, but there's not anyone else out there to, to be – your top receiver. I mean, like Tajay Sharp has shown that he's like a reliable possession guy. Maybe you have him run more of those possession routes than, than Ridley. Um, you know, Russell Gage also your primary slot guy, but like we need to be able to deploy Ridley like somewhat. And, and effectively. This is, and this is a lesson in why you always need to give new coaches and new regimes, probably at least three years because he's working with all of Dirk Cutter's stuff right now. All of yep. Dan Quinn's roster. Uh, it will take at least two more off seasons, I would say, before we see uh, a roster full of, you know, Arthur Smith guys, full of guys that he's handpicked. And right. you know, even even if the Falcons came out uh, one and five, zero oh and six, whatever, it was, it was it was kind of ridiculous after that Washington game. Like, don't get me wrong, we were all we were all criticizing Arthur Smith for his oh, conservative yeah. play calling against Washington. Like, we spent. 45% of the post-game show just harping on that. Mm-hmm. It was still rather ridiculous reading people saying that, you know, we need to aspire Arthur Smith. Like, that's so that's a bit a bit short-sighted. Um, it, we won't really see this, this team hitting the potential that it could, I would say, uh, under Arthur Smith. I, I would say until at least year three of of, uh, of the Arthur Smith regime and of the Arthur, Arthur Smith experience because, you know, like you guys said, he needs to get in some of his uh, more big-bodied wide receivers. 
maybe bring in some of uh, some of his own offensive linemen. But the offensive line looks pretty good right now. Uh, we'll see. We'll see where it goes with that. But yeah, uh, his own running back, uh, other than Cordero Patterson, like what well, we need, we need to give him a, a couple more draft classes. Yeah. This is advertiser content brought to you by Frito Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down. We break down who will be cutting. Cut. What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snackin'. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void where prohibited. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. And like Brandon Brass raises a good point, you know, with the $3 tip. Thank you, Brandon. Um, he says, you know, at this point, only at this point, I'm assuming he's talking about, because there's a lot of football left this season before we'd have to make this decision. But at this point, if someone came with a good offer for Ridley for 2022, you know, they'd be willing, obviously, to take on the fifth year option. Do you do you trade Ridley for like a second round pick? Yes. At this point. Um, yes. Uh, yeah. I, at the, yeah, I would. I would. Because the, the financial because, part of it is a yeah, bigger part the, than I yeah. think people realize, too. Like, we need the money pretty bad. Like, And, and, and that contract is going to – after the fifth year, Calvin Ridley is going to be looking for elite wide receiver money. Yeah. 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 If they don't make the trade, I will. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Give me a second for him. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. All right. Let me get – our guest is coming in here so we can pivot to some Panthers talk. But maybe we can ask him about his Calvin Ridley thoughts as well because I know Brian is a, a follower – of all things NFC South. Hey, Brian, what's up? Hey, how's it going? Good, good. Happy to have you tonight. Uh, how you doing? I'm a Panthers fan, so things could be better, but you know. Yeah, it, that was... They were probably yeah. really good in the middle of September, though. <laughs> Always. Yeah. Well, it's... I, this is definitely something I wanted to bring up to you, and it's like I feel like the Panthers and the Falcons are just on the complete opposite track. Like the Falcons, there was nothing but depression the first three weeks. It was like two blowout losses. You know, nothing looked like it was going well. The team was unprepared, but they followed it up. You know, with three three pretty good outings, and the Panthers started hot. Looked like, oh wow, maybe this Sam Darnold experiment actually it wasn't bad, and then just fell off a cliff. So we're Two teams going in different directions, but with basically the same record. Um, and, you know, we were just talking about Calvin. Like, our biggest pro- question right now as Falcons fans at this point, you know, 3-3, three and three, we're like, oh, we need to use Calvin Ridley more. Why isn't he being used more? But I know for you, as a Panthers fan, uh, the, bit, the, the questions start and end with Sam Darnold, right? I mean, where are you on that sort of situation? Oh, Sam Darnold. Uh, um... He's really difficult to read right now. Um, the first three weeks of the season, Sam Darnold looked like he was uh, <clears throat> rejuvenated, revitalized, like moving along in his development. You thought 
that he was a better quarterback than what he looked like with the Jets. And then over the last three weeks, he's just kind of uh, devolved, I guess. Um, and this past week was especially egregious with him. Um, watching, Just watching him play, he misses a lot of checkdowns recently. Um, <clears throat> the Panthers' offense couldn't really move the ball that well and uh, against the Giants and even mm-hmm. in the previous week. And a lot of it came down to just bad decision-making. And uh, even Dan Orlovsky, a guy that we like to uh, toast on Twitter because his takes are generally not great he uh he went out and he generally he went out and uh, evaluated uh Dan- sam darnold recently and he even mentioned that his fundamentals are not right his uh yeah. dropbacks are not right where the timing is thrown off on the play and all of that has been very very abundantly clear just watching the panthers play um it's not 100 percent darnold's fault but he's definitely digressing or regressing right now and it's one of those things where it's like, okay, is he going to turn it around against a team like the Falcons or is he just going to continue to go backwards? And uh, yeah, it's very frustrating. <laughs> I'm sure it is. And it's like, honestly, the, like the Falcons pass rush is a, a travesty at this point, especially with Dante Fowler on IR. When, when you have a guy with two sacks, that's your, your shining star as a pass rusher and he's out, you know, this is not a great situation. So I know you mentioned the offensive line and, for me, as an outside observer of the Panthers, that was my biggest concern about the team going in was this offensive line is not going to work like on a season long level. Um, and has that basically been how it's played out in Carolina? Has that been one of kind of the Achilles heel of the offense? Yeah, it's definitely been the offensive line for sure. I think I think part of it is that Darnold does, is not a quarterback who can perform well behind a bad offensive line because there are quarterbacks who have been sacked and pressured more than him, like Ryan Tannehill, for example, and they've obviously been successful. So it's not hundred percent just on the offensive line, but the offensive line is definitely a major problem. Um, Cam Irving, a left tackle is probably their best guy and that's not wow. good. Yeah. <laughs> um, they finally put Brady Christensen, their uh, third round pick at offensive tackle at left tackle last week. And uh, he did okay, but towards the end of the game when uh, it was clear the Panthers were going to pass the ball. He was very bad. Um, they tried putting Taylor Moten to left tackle at one point. That didn't work out well because he just like an a- he looked like an average offensive tackle. And for a guy of Moten's caliber at right tackle, right. you really don't want that. Yeah. Um, and the interior has just been a complete shit show. Just, yeah. It's not good. Um, they really, I don't, I don't see a particular combination of this offensive line where you can say, Oh, if they put these guys in the right position, they'll be successful. They'll protect him right. Nope. I, I think there's going to be at least two guys on the line every week that are going to be really bad. Yeah. And it's like, again, this is like we're trending because I feel like the offensive line early in the season, it wasn't great for the Panthers, but it was functional. And the Falcons, meanwhile, <laughs> we had, you know, Jalen Mayfield famously having like a single digit pass blocking grade in week one. But since then, it's been a lot better. Um, you mentioned, you know, some young guys on your line with Brady Christensen. The other signing was Cam Irving. I mean, is there anyone that's kind of playing above expectations or playing too expect? I mean, Taylor Moton obviously is very good, but everybody else. I mean, is it really that bad everywhere else? Pretty much. Um, Matt Paradis was their big free agent signing or one of them a, a few years ago at center. And uh, he's just looked functionally not strong both in pass protection and run offense. Um, 
left guard's been a revolving door between Dennis Daly, uh, Pat Elfline. You know, the, none of them have been very good. Right guard's been kind of the same way. John Miller was like okay last year, but he's been battling injury all year, and he hasn't been good ever since he started having injury problems. And obviously, as I said, left tackle, not good, not ideal. Yeah, Cam Cam Irving, you know, mediocre interior offensive lineman. Putting him at left tackle certainly wouldn't have been my uh, instinct. And the sad part is he's the best (laughs) left tackle they've had (laughs) performance-wise. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I always thought he was like an interesting player when he came out. But like, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's like taking a sort of mediocre offensive lineman and being like, be our left tackle. That generally doesn't work out super well, so that's, you know, unfortunately kind of on expectation. Um, yeah, uh, Adnan, Eric, do you guys have any any questions for Brian? I feel like I'm, I'm hogging our great guest tonight, so you guys got anything you'd like to ask? Uh, uh, well, <clears throat> you you mentioned that Darnold is, is missing a lot of his checkdowns, so my question initially that I have for you before you made that statement was, could you pretty much aim the the downward trend of his play due to the injury of, of Christian McCaffrey? Or do you think it might be something a little more outside of that? It's a really interesting question because it's something that we've been trying to kind of figure out, like CSR as a whole, the staff, mm-hmm. really. Um, he played very well with McCaffrey and – he was throwing McCaffrey the ball a lot and McCaffrey was still touching the ball like 30 times a game, which is, you know, mm-hmm. not ideal. Right. Um, and ever since McCaffrey came out, he stopped making those check down throws. Like there were, there were at least three times on Sunday where I saw Chuba Hubbard open in the, on third down in the flat where he would catch the ball, easily get two or three yards, get the first down, no problem. Mm-hmm. And that's a throw we saw him make to Christian McCaffrey several times over the first three weeks of the season. And he's just not doing that. And it's kind of like it almost reminds me of Cam Newton in his first two years with Carolina. Like, I feel like he's trying too hard now, now that he doesn't have that uh, safety valve in Christian McCaffrey, where he's trying to make plays where it's like an overcorrection from Teddy Bridgewater, because Bridgewater was more than happy to take those throws every time they were given to him, even if they weren't going to get the first down. Hmm. And Darnold, on the other hand, at least over the last three weeks, He's just not taking them, whether it's and a lot of times I think he's just not seeing them. But you could you could question that as a functional problem with him as a quarterback. But he was taking them over the first three weeks. So it's really weird. It's just I don't quite understand it. I don't know if it's just him not being comfortable, if he's getting the yips all of a sudden. It's I think it's more of a complex issue than just that McCaffrey's not there. I think there's a lot more to it than that. Uh, would that also explain why Robbie Anderson is struggling so much all of a sudden? I really can't explain why Anderson's struggling as bad as he is. Like, there have been a lot of throws to Anderson where they were kind of awkward, but you'd still expect a, a wide receiver of his caliber to catch them. Um, I honestly feel like this is one of those situations where I don't know if the Falcons have had a receiver like this in a long time because I know Julio wasn't this way, but when a receiver gets. I guess in his head and he wants the ball more, the offense schemes it up to get him the ball more. And I think that's kind of working to their detriment because he's not confident right now. He kind of went through that with Roddy White in 2015. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Like I think that's what it is. Cause like 
he was targeted. He's been targeted, I think, more than any receiver on the Panthers roster at this point. And and if he's not, he's really close to DJ Moore. But there was one week where he, the against the uh, the Vikings. Against the Vikings. He he had like twelve targets, I want to say, and he only caught three of them, maybe. Like that. That's. You can that, blame Darnold for a, probably five or six of those throws, but the rest of them, like, come on. In a yeah. shootout. Yeah. In a shootout game like that, like, that was – I'm pretty sure that stood out to you. Like, everybody was – you know, yards yards were generated fairly easy, and Robbie wasn't able to even put much of an imprint on the game. It's and awkward, awkward throws, I understand, and there have been awkward throws as a result of Sam Darnold's fundamentals, but at the same time – like Robbie, you're getting paid more than any receiver on the roster right now. Like, mm-hmm. it's just very weird. Like, I think it's a combination of Robbie Anderson being frustrated that he's not making those catches, and now he's kind of like getting in his own head because that's something that does happen with wide receivers, and the fact that Sam Darnold's trying too hard, and it's just causing major issues at this point. So I, I want you to to touch a little bit on the returning guys that the Panthers may see come back this week from injury. Some some real key names there on the defensive side of the ball. Well, Shaq Thompson actually has been over the first few weeks when he was healthy, he was playing like the elite linebacker you would expect with a contract like his. He was very good, mm-hmm. very very good. I I was very impressed with him. I wasn't expecting anything like that from him. Um, without him, they had basically, uh, Jermaine Carter, who really was not what I would call a high end starter at the linebacker position. And he was basically the only one aside from depth guys that were playing just cause they had to. So Shaq Thompson, obviously very big there. I don't, I'm not a hundred percent sure if Stefan Gilmore is going to play or not. Um, I mean, even if he does, I'm not. I'm not 100 sure what he's going to look like because he hasn't played since December of last year, and he's barely practiced. But that would be big for the defense because AJ Boye is what I would call like a passable veteran presence. So, um, Justin Burris is one that I think that is very underrated. Um, he played very well last year, I would say, given the circumstances when the defense was very. Uh, I don't want to say bad, but they weren't that they had a really hard time with third downs and whatnot and getting off the field. And I think he actually played really well, but it was hard to see that because the team, the defense as a whole was just not getting the job done. So I think that's a big one as well for Carolina, just on Burris. Um, Miles Hartsfield is another guy that many people probably haven't even heard of. if They're not Carolina Panthers fans, but he was highly rated with Carolina as far as being a, multiple type defensive back. So him potentially being back as big as well. So this could potentially be Carolina's best defensive presence uh, since I would say maybe week three. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. That, that sounds about right. I mean, that's the thing. And it's, it's kind of going to be strength on strength in this game because you know, the Falcons offense is starting to get humming um, and this is going to be the best defense they've had to face by far, you know, probably the best pass rush, probably you know, if, if they've got some of these players coming back, you know, the best all-around defense, um, you know, Kyle Pitts obviously is coming on, and it's like at this point, you know, we're like, okay, well, who is he going to struggle with now? Because over the last few games, he's basically exerted his will. Um, so for you as a Panthers fan, you know, what is your sort of idea about 
trying to take away Kyle Pitts, who is basically the vast majority of the Falcons passing offense at this point, seeing as, you know, Calvin Ridley has been kind of quiet since he came back, has, you know, not quite to the level of Robbie Anderson in terms of disappointment, but certainly not the impact we were expecting. And if you had Calvin Ridley in fantasy, I'm sure you're also equally upset. But, you know, what is your sort of game plan to, to limit Pitts at this point as a, as a Panthers fan? This is the first game where I really miss J.C. Horn because he was playing outside, inside, shadowing whoever. Like, I think J.C. Horn would have actually been the guy that I would have relegated to covering Kyle Pitts, but obviously he's not playing. Um, I mean, at this point, I think it's Jeremy Chin. I think that Jeremy Chin's the guy you uh, line up on him just because he can play everywhere. And I don't even know if that'll work, but he's been very good this year, uh, flying a little bit under the radar just because Carolina's defense as a whole has been a lot more productive from top to bottom. Um, but if Atlanta wants to succeed, I'd say they max protect. They get two or three receivers out there and uh, put them on an island. And uh, I don't know if Carolina can stop Kyle Pitts. I don't know if I can trust Jeremy Chin to be manned up on him the entire game and succeed. Hmm. Yeah, that's funny because I think Eric Eric said – he would put Jeremy Chin on him as well, and like just see what happens. Um, I mean, I because, just feel like if if, if yeah. yeah, if you're gonna if you're gonna go that route with man coverage with anyone on that Panthers defense, Chin is probably the best option. Um, he's he's too physical. He's too big for for Dante Jackson, um, and and I, I don't I don't and no one else on that on that at least on the back half is athletic enough in my opinion that can cover him. And I think Chin is the best defender that they have, and Chin has been. Chin has been playing great. Okay, yeah. Brian. Brian is Brian is being a little, little uh, facetious here a little bit. Like his Chin has been outstanding in my opinion the past couple of years since he's been a Panther, and you know I I, I think he he is definitely um, the one defender to worry about going in into this game because of his versatility. Yeah, yeah, and like. Um... You know, I think Jeremy Chin was like one of our favorite prospects that year. Definitely. We all yeah. sort of, you know, along with, are sad that the Falcons didn't get him. But uh, along, <laughs> along with Brian Burns. Yes, Brian <laughs> Burns also. You guys just took both the guys we really wanted and the Falcons, you know, took other players. Brian um, Burns should be a Falcon <laughs> right now, but he's not. And he's probably nope. going to get about two sacks on the mat on Sunday. Probably because Caleb McGarry will be back, and we all know Brian Burns is like Caleb McGarry's biggest nemesis. Oh, so. oh but see, but see, the Panthers are—they, I mean, they're—they're they're just showered with pass rushes this year because if they don't want to line up an athletic edge rusher like Brian Burns on that side, they can always just stick Hassan Reddick, who is <laughs> probably equally as athletic. Yeah, this is going to yeah. be fun. This is going to be fucking fun um at least chris lundstrom's really good like that's who we passed on burns for he's like yeah yeah. like a top five guard in the nfl this year Mm -hmm. he chose hayden hurst over jeremy chen yeah that 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 one stings a little bit more uh (laughs) now maybe hurst can can carve out a little hurst needs to start doing something because we need to get that that comp we're damn sure gonna need hurst (laughs) lining up in line to to Um, cover these guys uh, uh, i did have a question I did have a question for Brian. Um, what is your ideal scenario for the Panthers this year, like as as a whole in the season? Are you thinking possibly a wild card run, just Sam Darnold looking better and possibly looking like a, a quarterback of the future? What What is it? Uh, 
I, I don't, I don't see wild card in their future, to be honest. Um, I think that NFL offenses have figured out their defense because as athletic as Brian Burns and Hassan Riddick are, um, teams that are really devoted to running the ball who have a decent offensive line have been abusing this defense. Um, over the first few weeks, I think they confused some offensive fronts where now that there's some film out there, they're able to run the ball a little bit better. Um, I, I, this, this defense actually kind of reminds me of 2019 in that they had a really good set of pass rushers, but it didn't matter that once teams decided, okay, well, we're going to run the ball down your throats. There really wasn't anything they could do. And Shaq Thompson being back is going to be big for that, obviously. Um, I really do like their defensive line, but with the way Matt Ryan's playing, I could see Matt Ryan blowing, blowing him up this week. And I just think that going 500 is, if they can go over 500, that's a win for them. But overall, I think they're going to be looking for the quarterback of the future again next year. I just don't see it with Sam Darnold at this point. Yeah. I mean, what were, I don't remember. I know. I'm sure we talked about it on Twitter at some point, but like, where were you on that whole scenario to begin with? Were you like, okay with the Darnold move? Were you wanting them to take a quarterback? Were you still wanting them to take a quarterback when one was there at eight? Before you, before you answer that, how I looked at it, Brian, was I think the team was all in on fields. I guess they felt like they were not going to have a clear shot at fields. So it was more so like, hey, we got to get some type of quarterback this offseason. So they took Donald and Tepper saw fields drop and Tepper was like, holy shit. I didn't expect that to happen. Um, well, to start the question off, I, I actually wanted them to pick JC Horn. He was my guy. Okay. So they selected the person that I expected them to pick. Um, I don't really know what the quarterback situation, I, I know Carolina was in play to try and get up to the third overall picks. They had, they definitely had somebody in their crosshairs that they wanted there. Right. Um, I feel like Justin Fields was someone where. They 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 thought about him, but there were also other players. I know that Penay Sewell was also there. Like I think Penay Sewell would have been the pick had the Lions not taken him. Um, I think that it was one of those things where they were willing to take the shot on Justin Fields, but he wasn't the guy where they were thought we have to take this guy if he's there. And with the way Fields has been performing for Chicago, I can kind of see why that they were thinking that. Though obviously with quarterbacks, you know. It can take a few years to to uh, mature and really progress. So, I don't think Nagy's helping the cause there in Chicago. No, definitely <laughs> not. Yeah, yeah, I mean, with the same, he would have a. I think Joe Brady's a lot better as, in terms of an offensive coordinator than Matt Nagy. But in terms Absolutely. of the other struggles, like the offensive line and stuff, you know, you could see Fields also struggling in Carolina this year. Yeah, I mean, after the draft, there was a lot of faith in this front office and coaching staff. Like, okay, they know what they're doing. Like, they made a lot of good trades. They picked up a lot of talent. And then, like, as the on-field product came to be, it's like, okay, there's some there's some kind of evaluation gap here, whether it's between Rule or his scouting team or Scott Fitterer. They they picked up these offensive linemen, Pat Elfline and Cam Irving, thinking that, okay, we can field a, a somewhat okay offensive line with these guys if we don't get the ones we want in the draft. And obviously, that hasn't <laughs> been the case. So yeah, there are some questions there. And the other thing, speaking of Joe Brady, like 
it's hard to figure out exactly who is at fault with why the offense right. has struggled so badly over the last three weeks. Cause right. Darnold hasn't played well, but there's also been calls where it's like, why are you putting Darnold in that position in these times? So mm-hmm. I don't know. I, as far as the Darnold trade goes, I actually was really supportive of it. I was like, okay, well they can put him in a good situation for him, but I was not expecting them to have him taking, throwing the ball 35 times a game, 40 times a game behind this offensive line. So that's not conducive to a success for Sam Darnold to me. So had I known that I would have been a little more upset about the trade. <laughs> yeah. And like, what about the, the guarantee, like the, the picking up the option? Um, Cause that to me, like the, the trade, it's like, okay, I get it. You know, he's a young quarterback with potential, you know, maybe you think the Adam Gase stank and all that, you can fix it. But like, I, I guess I don't get picking up the option. I just feel like the option is so expensive before you like, play the game. Yeah, and it's like the option is so expensive. Like you're really not saving that much. Like if Dorno plays well, you're going to extend him either way, more than likely. So like, I guess, what are your thoughts on them picking up the option? Is that the one thing maybe you regret about it, or do you actually understand it? I think they thought they were going to be better than they are. Yeah, when mm-hmm. they did that, because in theory, if they go three and zero to start the season, which they did, and then they win what, two of their next three games and they're five and one, you're sitting there like, okay, well, Sam Darnold on the option next year. That's great. We don't have to pay the him bargain. a yeah. giant right. contract where now he's regressed so horribly in three games after that first three games. Because in those first three games, it all looked justified. Everything looked justified. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. But then it just went so far downhill. And if he can turn it around and maybe win – you know, half of the games they have left, okay, you could justify giving them that, that option. I mean, teams like the Vikings gave Kirk Cousins a giant contract, <laughs> oh and God, yeah. it wasn't like he was worth that at the time based on his record. Fully, but Fully guaranteed. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I think it's one of those things where it was a strategic uh, gamble for them because I don't think they yeah. thought they would be in position to draft a high-end quarterback in the next drafts. And they may not be, like for all we know, they'll somehow manage to win seven more games or six more games. And they won't even be in the conversation for that kind of player. And then they will be talking to guys like Aaron Rodgers or God, hopefully not, but Deshaun Watson in the off season. So, you know, yeah, it just, it hurts. It hurts things when you've got it. Like if Donald doesn't get better, the fifth year option becomes a massive problem because it's like, Oh crap. Now we're paying this guy 18 million to not be our quarterback. And, um, you know, obviously, eighteen million isn't as bad as you know thirty million down the drain, but uh, certainly not great. But no. there's especially a lot of football left. There's a lot of football, especially left. where, like he just pointed out, where you're dealing with you, you, you could be coming into an off season where you may have a guy like Aaron Rodgers out there, and that eighteen million could definitely come in handy to entice him to to possibly sign a board. Um, but you know, it again, the first three games, it looked. It looked very justifiable, to be honest with you. Sam Darnold yeah. was playing the best football. It was unquestionably the best three-game stretch of his career. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I I still think the Panthers, they hit a, a funk this point in the season, but I still like their chances because of the defensive side of the ball and the additions that they've made. I do like getting a guy like Henderson – I think Gilmore is going to be a difference maker, of course, on the back end. And, you know, we we saw, it, you know, back in 2015, 
this Panthers team, you know, they, they went 15 and one that year. And, and to be quite honest with you, Cam and the offense got the shine, but it was really that defense that really, in my opinion, that kind of sort of, you know, put them in that, in that, uh, in that placement. So I, I think, I think they're going to be, I think they can, they can turn things around, but if they do, it's going to be on the defense. But my, I'm, my question for you, Brian, is going into this Falcons game, Sam Donald aside, what's your biggest concern on that Panthers roster going into this game? Is it that secondary or is it, you know, trying to match up um, linebackers trying to match up with Kyle Pitts? Is it the offensive line? What's, what's your biggest concern? I think the offensive line is the easy answer. So I'm mm-hmm. not going to use that. <laughs> um I actually am a little concerned about the defensive line against the Falcons offensive line because Matt Ryan's been playing out of his mind recently. And uh, the Panthers defense, even though they've been not bad, they haven't been able to generate pass rushes easily recently. And I think the Cowboys kind of like showed the, like they created the film, like, okay, this is how you defend the Panthers pass rush. And I think the Falcons will probably adopt the same mindsets and be like, okay, well, we're going to, max protect and have two or three receivers out there. So go cover them. And a guy like Kyle Pitts, scary. Cause you know, he might be matched up with Shaq Thompson. He might be matched up with Jeremy chin, even Hayden Hurst. Like if uh, Jeremy chin's full-time deployed against Kyle Pitts. Okay. So you got just on Burris or a nickel corner defending against Hayden Hurst. So that's not good. And obviously even though Calvin Ridley's had some drop problems, he's roasted Dante Jackson in the past. So um, yeah. So it's one of those things where and Cordero could be an issue as well. I, yeah. I I think it's very it's it's possible Carolina matches up extremely well against this Falcons offense and they have like more of a stalemate. But it's also possible the Falcons kind of just take off against them where they can't really catch up because C.J. Henderson, I think he's possibly going to be a good starter for them in the future. But I don't think you can expect him to be first round level cornerback anytime soon for them. Well, is it, is it the run defense? That's really the Achilles heel because the Falcons honestly haven't run the ball very well overall, but yeah. What do you think about that? The run defense has not been the Achilles heel in the beginning of games. It's more so that when they've been on the field for so long, eventually the other teams just start taking them out. I think the Cowboys were the only team that really enforced their will from start to finish against them. Um, Shaq Thompson being back again will be a big deal there. Um, I just think the Falcons offensive line is pretty good and might be one of the top two they've faced. And that's where I see the issue lying. How about that? That's high praise. High praise. Yeah. I mean, and it's Wait, funny because I good? feel like, I mean, I, well, if you look at their sack rate allowed, they're fourth, you know, like they're, they've been a great pass protecting O-line and They've faced a lot of really good defensive lines. So it's, I mean, they haven't faced a lot of really good overall defenses, but they've faced, you know, I mean, Tampa Bay, Philadelphia, Washington's pass rush, still really good, even if the rest of the defense is trash. Uh, I mean, even the Giants have a good interior, you know. So it's like the Falcons' offensive line, I think, is legit in terms of pass protecting, but they haven't been consistently good run blocking. The only one who's really been able to be good running the ball is Corderell Patterson who seems to have actually taken over the full-time sort of starting job. Um, so I'm interested Rip to see Mike if... Davis. Rip. 
Yeah, I know the Mike Davis revenge game. I was looking forward to it, but um, I mean, he still gets he's still going to get reps. He, I mean, um, he had a, but, he had a revenge game against Atlanta next year. Maybe he turns the you know he turns the table this time. Uh, uh, yeah, this year he, might. Uh, he was mainly used as a blocker for the most part last game. Yeah. He had, uh, he had four, four carries, carries, zero catches. He got that one third and three that was really impressive. So props to him yeah, for that. Was late but. in the fourth quarter, and then he hobbled off the field right after that. So. Yeah, he uh, definitely he's. He's been the victim of some poor run blocking. Yeah. More, well, and the thing with with Davis is I think he's a lot more dependent on the blocking than Patterson. Patterson's just sort of like a beautiful stallion that just kind of Patterson runs. glides out there. Yeah. He just kind of like, he doesn't even, it doesn't even matter. Like, if there's no blocking, he's just going to plunge ahead for one. And if there is blocking, he's going to get like 12 yards. So it's like... I, in a certain in a, in, a, in a certain light, like it's honestly not Mike Davis's fault, and I feel bad for him. But Patterson yeah. is just having such a great year, like better than I think anyone could have ever predicted. That it's like you just you can't like sit Patterson. You're like, all right, you just just get out there. Like we joked about Patterson possibly being like this. Oh, he's like you know discount Derrick Henry. Look at his measurables and his you know athletic testing, and like that was a joke. But, like, he's playing, like, closer to that than I think anyone could have possibly predicted. And that's been a lot of fun for Falcons fans. But, um, yeah, I mean, honestly, Brian, as an outsider, you know, what is your sort of takeaway from the Falcons? I mean, do you do you think, as their record shows, they're sort of like a average team that's ascending? Or do you think that they've kind of benefited from a pretty weak schedule thus far? They remind me of the 2011-2011. Uh, 12 Panthers a little bit and the fact that their their quarterback is playing extremely well. They have a lot of good weapons on offense, but the defense is kind of a, <laughs> a disaster. Fucking them over a little bit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Definitely. Yeah. The thing that's nice for them is that they have Matt Ryan and not a quarterback who's in his first and second year. Right. So he can actually like pull those wins out as he did last week. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I I'm – this Panthers team just has me kind of flustered because like I kind of expected them to regress, but not to this degree. Like I, I could see it being a really close fun game. I could also see the Falcons completely destroying the Panthers, but I could also see the Panthers just like turning it on and like winning 35 to three. So it's just very hard right. to predict. Cor- correct. Yeah. yeah. That was good to say, correct me if I'm wrong though, but I, I think, I think you're at a place right now where you're not quite sure what Panthers team you're going to see on a given Sunday. Right. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. very hard to predict because they have so much talent on both sides of the ball. They really do. Right. I mean, aside from right. the offensive line, the offense is pretty good. Defense as a whole is pretty good, especially if Stefan Moore, uh, Gilmore's on the field. But sometimes they put it together. Sometimes they don't. It's just very, very odd. I just, yeah. I just, I just honestly feel we're going to see the Sam Donald of the first three weeks. Um, I, I don't have a whole lot of faith in his defense, especially his defensive line getting any type of pressure on Donald. And I just, I don't like the matchups on the back end. I mean, sure, AJ Terrell may be able to, to shadow. DJ Moore to an extent, but I I don't like the matchup of of Robbie Anderson against Fabian Moreau. I, I really don't. I don't like the the matchup of of even having guys like Ian Thomas out there and um, the uh, I can't, the tight end, the rookie tight end. Uh, oh, Tommy Trimble. Tommy Trimble. I don't like the matchups there either. Um, and I I think that's going to be the difference. I honestly believe we're going to see 
early early season Sam Darnold, and he's going to that, show up. Yeah. I will say the Falcons are gonna get pressure, so don't worry about that. No, no, no. You haven't we, watched this offensive line like I have. They're not we, good. We thought, Very bad. We thought the same thing against Miami, and they were really not able to put a whole lot of heat on Tua. Tua had his his way to an extent. I mean, he threw for four touchdowns. Um, and you know, the the picks that he threw, those were really the only times I actually remembered anybody getting close to him. So yeah, without I, Dante Fowler, the Falcons have yeah, nothing. They're on the missing edge, Dante but, Fowler a lot yeah. right now. Yeah, it's bad. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's another it's a case of you know the movable object versus the stoppable force oh. with that one. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> That's fair. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess to me, I I do think it's probably going to be a close game. I mean, I, I guess it just depends. Like if Darnold struggles, you know, you could see the Falcons. I don't think the Falcons are going to just run away on offense or anything like that, but you know, it's kind of like what happened against the giants. It's like the giants didn't like take control of that game until late, but it was just like the defense was the the Panthers defense was playing well, but it's like, they're not going to, they're not a defense. that's going to shut a team out with the offense being terrible. Like, so eventually, you know, Falcons score. And then it's like, can Sam Darnold answer? And you know, the Falcons defense, and the Giants' how, defense, neither one's very good. So, how how short of a leash do you think uh, Darnold has this week? I think that he's uh, unless it gets to the the point of the Giants' game where it's just out of hand. I think that he's still going to be playing. Okay, so you don't you don't think if it's if it's if they're down two scores early on and he has a a bad first couple drives that they're just going to throw PJ Walker in there. I mean, I, cause I felt, I felt like it was significant for him to get benched last week against the giants, but they still being such a close defensive slugfest and they inserted Walker. And of course things didn't, it didn't uh, improve from that point on, but it just made me feel like, okay, well, he's going to go into the Falcons game with probably a very, very short leash. Like they're not going to be hesitant to pull him again. I mean, based on watching the game against the Giants, like it was very clear Carolina wasn't making any progress. Um, I don't think it was as much about like Sam Darnold playing bad as much as it was just that Matt Rule wanted to pull him out before he continued to have his ego and, you know, physical body abused in that game. So I I don't think that he would be benched in like the first half. I think like if the Falcons came, if the Falcons were to say – get to the second half with like a 24 point lead, then I could say, yeah, let's, let's see PJ Walker. Sure. But let's make it 25. I mean, they're, yeah, like, they're, good, I, they're good with 25 point leads. But, I'd rather it be 24. <laughs> I'd rather, I'd rather 24. Yeah. I, I don't think it was as much about, about Darnold playing bad as much as it was just that rule one, just get him out of there. Cause the game was lost gotcha. at that point. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, and like I do think this is a good opportunity for Darnold to have a bounce back game because the Falcons have basically allowed every quarterback they've played to have a great game, except Zach Wilson. They actually didn't make Zach Wilson look great, but yep. Heineke looked like an all pro. <laughs> but the Falcons are getting back some secondary pieces. Uh, you know, apparently it seems like AJ Terrell is going to play. Fabian Monroe is going to play. Maybe Avery Williams will be back. Um, they're starting to use Richie Grant more. So, you know, maybe the Falcons' defense is a little bit better, but the pass rush has been really bad. So, you know, we'll see if if they can, you know, they're probably going to try to blitz Carolina. And I'll be out there on Sunday. 
Fuck that. Somebody got to get it. <laughs> yeah, Eric, get Eric strap up. Strap up, buddy. Get out there and rush the Let's passer. <laughs> but yeah, I, I do think it's going to be close. And I think these divisional matchups are always going to be more spicy than they probably would be if you looked at it from like a neutral perspective. Um, so I definitely don't expect it to be any sort of blowout. But um, I do think the the Panthers defense is good. So I, I don't expect the Falcons offense to just have a field day or anything. So it's really going to come down to, you know, can Sam Darnold like turn it on and, and get a good game going here? Can he break out of the funk or is he going to make some backbreaking mistakes? And I think... The Falcons' offense is good enough to capitalize now. They're much better in the red zone than they ever were under Dirk Cutter. Um, they've shown that they're you know pretty responsible with the football, that they're going to generally do the right things if they're in the right position. So, you know, this is a team, I think, that will capitalize on mistakes more than the Falcons' teams of the past few years. But I don't think any of us are, like, really at, like, a high trust level with <laughs> anything to do with Atlanta sports at this point. But um, I do think it'll be a good game, a uh, good divisional game. So, uh yeah, I mean, how are you feeling in terms of predictions, Brian? Do you do you think the Panthers break out of the funk in this one? I think they do, but I think they still lose. Okay, so they Darn, Darnold has a good game against Atlanta, but it's just a narrow sort of loss at the end or something like that. Well, like, Darnold, it was very clear that Darnold was was trying too hard against the Giants. And uh, he, he, he mentioned a few times in his press conferences that like his footwork wasn't good and stuff like that. And those are all evidence of a quarterback who is not they're They're overthinking things. Like if they're not just reacting and, and uh, reading their, proge- their progressions and just kind of like playing the game, if they're too much in their head, they play bad. And I think that he will kind of get out of that, but I also don't trust this offense to put the game away especially because they've just had so many issues with drops. Um, I think one of the big reasons why he struggled so badly with uh, moving the ball is that he can't trust Chuba Hubbard to catch the ball like Christian McCaffrey because Hubbard was dropping balls like crazy early in the season. Yeah, that was. So, I loved Hubbard coming out, but that was the one thing I had questions about is he just really wasn't used much as a receiver in college. Yeah, I think that they drafted him thinking he would be like CMC light, and he's definitely not that. Oh, yeah. As far as like catching seems, the ball. Yeah, it seems like he's been a pretty effective runner at least, but I, I thought he would be more of a compliment runner for, for McCaffrey. Um, at least that's how Oklahoma State used him. But if that's the role that they had for Hubbard, that's not him. That's that's what they were doing with him. Um, uh, and yeah. he struggles to break contact on yeah. the first. He hit, was always so. more of a home run guy. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. As your every down back, right. not good. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, I kind of feel like those kind of things are gonna are gonna hamstring them a little bit. Um, I think the defense will look good in the first few drives, maybe even the first half, and it'll look close. But as always, seems to be with this Carolina Panthers team, the offense can't get out of their own way, and the defense will eventually falter. So that's where I'm looking at it. Fair enough. Fair enough. I think that's a very reasoned, reasonable take. Uh, yeah, Eric, how are you, how are you feeling about this one? Uh, like I like I said earlier, man, I, I think I think we see a different Sam Darnold. I I can't. There's nothing about this defense that makes you know makes me put a decent amount of trust and faith in them. I don't think this front seven is going to be able to touch Darnold, even against um, what a lot of people feel is an average offensive line in Carolina. They it's had worse a than it. Bo- that yeah, a below. It's, <laughs> it's definitely worse. Average. 
But at a below average Miami offensive yeah. line. Miami was also Tua, one of the worst. And so. Tua still accounted for 300 plus yards and four touchdowns. Like it's yeah. just, and, and the team still had a one point lead late in the fourth quarter. So, I mean, I can't. That's true. I, I don't, I don't trust his defense. I think Donald's going to be fine. I think that offense is going to be fine. Moore's probably going to have a touchdown pass. I mean, touchdown catch as yeah, well. He as gets Robert. one for my fantasy team, but no more. Right. And I, <laughs> and honestly, I, I think, I think the Falcons offense gets off to a decent start early on, but I think that Panthers defense catches a groove in the second half and it's, you know, they win by double digits. Carolina. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Eric has clearly been very scarred by this team. So. I am, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> I can't. I, I'm not going to sit here. I, I'm not like Adnan. Adnan gets a, a one good first half from a team and he's already thinking Super Bowl or bust. Like, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm not. I never said Super Bowl, but, you know, wild card isn't outside the realm of possibility. Hell no. Exactly. Exactly. Hell no. This yeah. team won't sniff it. Absolutely. Eric's on my level, so I get. I understand. Yeah. That. Eric's also yeah. crushed. Eric's like the still pan- in like the week four mindset. Yeah. The Panthers were 3 and 0, and I remember people were the people on CSR and even friends of mine in fantasy leagues were like, oh, so what do you think about the Panthers in playoffs? I'm like, I'm pretty sure they're going to lose in embarrassing fashion to the Cowboys this week. <laughs> and they almost did. They made like, they made it competitive in the fourth quarter. But if you watch the whole game, they got dominated. And I was like, oh, cool. They, they made me appear right. I'm so happy. Thank <laughs> yes. You. Exactly. Well, that's that's what you always do with these takes, right? You like set it up so like either way you're happy. You know, either the Panthers win and you're like, oh, I'm happy they won, or you're like, oh, see, I was right. So that's was, that's that's a last, smart biz move right there. Last year, Brian, after that week two loss to Dallas, I was already putting out mock drafts. So that should tell you <laughs> everything you need to yep. know. That I if I envision the team to be a certain way, that's pretty much how they're going to be. I don't. I'm scarred, man. I'm sorry. It's just I feel you, man. I'm on your level. Trust me. Yeah. I was doing mental gymnastics, thinking about how how could the Falcons make the playoffs after that one and six start. <laughs> no, I was no, trying. He's, he was he's trying. Not, he's, he's not boys. Like they, I think they beat Denver, got the second win of the year. They were like two and seven, and he was like, "Hey, if they okay, can win okay. this, this." So you're telling this. me there's a chance? They, they're back in the wild card picture. I'm like, okay. In my defense, the NFL old, was man. talking about adding a third wild card team because no, of uh, COVID. They needed and another. The seat that the league needed to add another yeah. two or three wild card. And, and also, <laughs> also Drew Brees went on IR, so I was like, oh, there's no way we're losing. Oh yeah, we can beat the Saints. Life. Yeah, of course. Bless yeah, your man. heart. <laughs> right. Yep. Yeah, well, how are yeah. you feeling about this one, Adnan? Are you are you as down in the dumps as Eric? No, uh, no, I could never be that down in the dumps. Um, <laughs> Damn, drop the hammer! Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, I, I, however, just uh, speaking uh, seriously, I do think Sam Darnold has a great game. Uh, I think that the Falcons are a get-right team for quarterbacks yep. who struggle. Yep. Um, and you know, we saw it with Tua last week. Uh. We saw it with Heineke. We saw it with Marcus Mariota a few years ago. That bought him a couple games, extra games, before Ryan Tannehill like, took over in Tennessee. Um, I do, however, I'm with Ryan. I think that uh, Darnold plays well. The Panthers play well. But I think the Falcons just eke it out in the end just because I, I don't see anyone who can really check Kyle Pitts uh, on Carolina's defense and, you know, I think the Falcons offense does just enough. And, you know, maybe we even see a repeat of that Dolphins game where uh, it comes down to the final drive, a final field goal. Um, so, 
yeah, I'm going to roll with the optimism. And if the Falcons lose, I, I don't get a win and I don't get to be right. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of in the same boat. Like I, I think that uh, Darnold will have a better game than he's had. Um, but I do think that the Falcons are, are it just, if you look at the trajectory of the teams and how they're playing, like I think the Falcons are starting to kind of find their footing a little bit. Um, and the Panthers will be the most difficult defense they've faced. So I'm interested to see sort of how Arthur Smith's offense looks against a better overall unit. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think Darnold will have a better game and I think this will be close. And I think these divisional games usually will be close. So I, I think it's like going to be like 27, 24 and like, I'm having the Falcons on the winning side of that, but like, it wouldn't also shock me if the Panthers were the ones, you know, 27, I'm not buying it. But nope. Captain I know you're not lose. buying it, Eric. You get the Falcons losing by two yeah, touchdowns one. to the nope. Panthers, you know, lost nope. four straight, you know, I'm no respect at all it. for these Falcons. Nope. I'm not buying it. 30, I feel like 30, I feel like I feel like even Panthers fans wouldn't predict that. Only like a Saints fan would have that sort of prediction. You're making me suspicious. 35-20 Panthers. <laughs> wow. All right. I don't well. see them scoring 35 points, but I will say just All one right. last thing. Um, I really wish J.C. Horn was playing because I think that Kyle Pitts versus J.C. Horn would be such a fun matchup. Yeah, it was one of the best oh, ones in college football. We'll sure. we'll get it for the next decade after look, this yeah. season. Look, Brian. Yeah. The Falcons have to depend on Stephen Means to get sacks. All right, they're putting up thirty-five <laughs> on his defense. All right, they, not they, necessarily. They got, maybe they actually play Jacob Tuody Mariner and Ugandaji. Another more. practice squad guy. They they got to depend on those. Hey, hey, that, hey that, JTM that's, that's is JTM's better than that. Player of the week, Jacob Tuody Mariner. Yeah, to hey. you, Eric. Jacob Twaddy Mariner is okay, all right. He's like a good edge three edge. He's an edge four, okay, but he's a, he's a respectable edge four. Yeah, you're lucky. Oh, so we're Dave banking on the practice squad guys now. Okay, hey, exactly. You sound like that's, Panthers fans. So exactly. Yeah. That's the pro- why I say Carolina's going to put up 35. Look, the Falcons have guys to get the that. Falcons have very good edge. Th- I think Ogundiji could be a very good edge three eventually. I think Jacob Twenty Mariner is a, a good edge four. The problem is they you don't won't. have an edge one or two. That's the issue. Exactly. So. <laughs> and for this game, we're depending on those guys to be edge one and edge two. Yeah, it's exactly. Not that, that's the problem. You know, the, the three Donald's and four are in fine. place. You know, but the, the one and two. going to save his job this week. <laughs> The, the, well, if he the, runs for a couple touchdowns, I would I say yes. Wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if he does. Would not be surprised if he does. Hell, yeah. uh, Tua Tua just ran over our starting strong safety for third well, and six. Well, hey, year. Eric he Harris, Eric Harris away. messed up his shoulder on that play. He was yeah, he was going to make the tackle. It's you could see it. Like Tua. his Tua no, it was his wrist. Well, Whatever, it was, dude. You could see he had him grabbed, and he's. I think I don't know if he broke his wrist or what, but it was bad. Like his, he like he couldn't grab on. So I, I, I don't blame Eric Harris too much for that. He got. I think he got legitimately hurt on that play. It's so. Tua. He he hurt himself. Okay, look, these guys aren't I mean, you know Superman. Yourself tackling a small court. Kevin, it's probably it was. A, it's a physics thing, Eric. If you look at the fulcrum, you get your protractor out, examine the, the angle of attack. Okay, you do. You get your graphing calculator out. You do the math, you know that's that's what that's how but, football but is how would you feel, how would you feel if Jeremy <laughs> Chin dislocated his shoulder trying to tackle Matt Ryan on the third down play and Matt got the first down? Like, how would you feel? Would you would you honestly feel like what the fuck? I would feel like Jeremy Chin is not an NFL player. Huh. Thank you. <laughs> at least Thank Matt you. Ryan's like over two hundred. We're pounds. starting a not NFL player at safety. <laughs> They're going to get thirty five. Okay. I don't. Um, I don't know. I think thirty five is aggressive. But. 24, 23 fouls. They gave up 28. They gave up 28 to Tua. Yeah, but like Tua's not that bad. 
Yeah, Tua's okay. I mean, I don't like Tua. Tua, that, like, Tua definitely. Uh, okay. uh, if you want to compare the weaponry, I'm sorry, weaponry that Tua had compared to what Dono has, Tua had to depend on Matt Collins. <laughs> I mean, I'd mostly Jalen Waddle. I'd also and take Isaiah Ford. I'd take Tua as a quarterback over Darnold. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But I would sure. definitely take what what Darnold has at his disposal as as far as skill position. Guy, give me DJ Moore. Give me Robbie Anderson. I can take Tommy Trumbull. I can work with that. I think 35. Mike Gesicki is better than those guys. Well, not not than the receivers. Not than the receivers. Score thirty five. Okay. Gesicki's well, definitely been better than Anderson this year. I mean, yeah. I know it's tight end versus DJ Moore is really good. And I think Robbie Anderson will be better. But yeah, you know, we'll see. I, I do think it's going to be a good game, though. That That's my hope. I just want, like, after the way the season started for us and how the season's been for you Panthers fans, Brian, um, I just, I think we're all just hoping for, like, a good game, you know, that's not, like, a joke or that makes us feel terrible about ourselves. Oh, that, that's what yeah. I'm rooting for. I, I do prefer when the Falcons and Panthers games aren't just factories of sadness. It's always yeah. good. That that's my preferred thing. So that's what I'm rooting for in this one. Um, and yeah, really, uh, really appreciate you coming on, Brian. Uh, I like looked at my DMs and I was like, oh, I think we had Brian on last year, right? No, it's been like two year, two or three years. So I apologize for that. That's not going to happen again. But uh, uh, that's fine. Thanks for coming on. Uh, and I I think I forgot to update my little card for you. So your new handle is Brian B C S R, right? Yes. Okay, that's the new handle. Don't listen to whatever the show says. It's Brian. I realized it was just easier so. to have a Twitter handle that was easier to spell. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, because then you're gonna get the the beaver slut thing going, and you know, generally, yeah. you know, as much fun as it is to say that, um, that's not really your name. So you know, that that's hard for Twitter. It's purposes. also not conducive to picking up Twitter followers. So yeah. no, I mean, I'd be interested in someone named that, but you know, I can't speak for the general public there. I but. guess I should change my my Twitter name to Beaver Sluts then. Okay. Yeah. I'll I like that. that. That's good. It's got pop. It's got pop for good sure. But Lord, where does this show go? <laughs> yeah, Brian. Anything uh, you'd like to plug? Anything? Uh, you know, obviously, cat scratch read or anything else going on over there. Uh I am the social media Cesar. So uh, usually, nice. if you see us, uh, if you see CSR interacting with alcoholic, it's generally me. So yep, yep. feel free to follow along. I know that uh, a lot of our fans really enjoy our back and forth banter. So absolutely, feel free to do that. And also check out the Keep Sounding podcast if you want to hear a bunch of really pessimistic Panthers fans talk about the Panthers. So that's the SB Nation official podcast for Cat Scratch Reader. So we'll have an episode up for you on Friday. But yeah, other than that, I don't really got anything. The one All thing right. I can always appreciate about the Panthers fan base is that we can come together and shit on the Saints collectively. Yes, fuck yes. the Saints. Exactly. Yeah. Hate them. I just, I love I, that. I, yeah. I do want to end it with just this one thing. I've said for many, many years, you know, I would lose every game of the Panthers season if it meant they could embarrass the Saints. Mm-hmm. And they got one of those games out of the way this year. So this might just be our penance for <laughs> for that, is beating the shit out of the Saints in week two. So if they beat the shit out of the Saints at the end of the year, Hell, maybe we lose every other game. That's fine. Whatever. <laughs> I'm on it. Let's do it. Let's yeah. do it. <laughs> also, this tonight, we have Eric Robinson. He's on Twitter at underscore Eric underscore Robinson. Eric, anything you're working on you'd like to plug? Yeah, just be on the lookout later this week for the Panthers preview, um, where I try to uh, give the optimistic Falcons fan, you know, some hope even though I'm going to kill it with our also staff predictions later this week that's going to come out. So be on the Dropping the hammer, parts. man. No Sorry. faith. No Sorry. faith. Sorry. Okay, well, somebody had to do it. Then I'm going to bring you down. Somebody had to do it. Somebody, somebody had to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Also with us tonight, last but not least, Adnan Ikic. He's at Say Which Way. Adnan, anything you'd like to plug tonight? 
Um, yeah, serious history and the what if we win or lose article is coming out on Saturday. All right. Excellent, guys. Yeah, before I do my stuff, just want to remind folks to please like and subscribe if you haven't done that already. Those metrics really help us out. Check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash Live. Update on the uh, Q&A session. I'm actually going to wait uh, till next week because of the World Series. Uh, so I don't want to force, you know, patrons to have to choose between coming to that or watching the World Series. So we're just going to do that next week. We'll postpone it a week um, and we'll, we'll go from there. So keep an eye on the Patreon page for the scheduling of that. And then, yeah, check out the Discord, like the or follow the show on Twitter, Falcoholic Live, and you can follow me at Falcoholic Kevin. I'm Kevin Knight. Uh, I will have my game picks uh, tomorrow, and then have uh, some other stuff, my stats preview, matchups to watch, all that good stuff going into Sunday, where we will also have, of course, our Week Eight post game show following the clash with the Panthers. So until Sunday, guys, thank you so much for tuning into the Falcoholic Live. We will see you on Sunday. Have a great night, folks.